The federal red flag gun legislation gets signed into law. SCOTUS rules that every citizen in New York should have the right to bear arms. And the Tennessee Secretary of State gets nailed with a DUI. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. All right, so I'm on a couple other podcasts, and I, I, I've brought this up to other audiences, but I'm going to bring it up to this audience, you guys, two of you. Are you summer people or are you winter people? Summer. Grew up in the north in the cold, prefer the summer. Yeah, me too. Heat and sunshine, give it to me. Yep. So my wife's all about summer. I, I grew up in the in the swamp in Louisiana, yeah. where you open the door and you start sweating. So you're done. I love winter. Okay. I'm all about winter. All right. But have you really lived in winter, Gary? You know, I did so early 2000s. I, we lived for two years in Rochester, New York. Oh, okay. that'll, that'll do it to you. And, and our first winter there, we had 115 inches of snow. Yeah. No, thank you. And I've, I have, I literally, I have snow shoveled myself to my car in a parking lot in an apartment complex. And you enjoyed that? I, that I did not enjoy. <laughs> okay. So I no winter in you know a, a good Texas winter north or a good Tennessee winter, you know whatever. I'm that fine doesn't with. count. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania, and we shoveled snow 100 days a year, uh, not every year, but that was not uncommon. And we had to do it before school. My father made sure that we got up at 5 in the morning, and it was dark. The further north you are, the darker it is in the winter. And, yeah, we had to get up at 5, get the snow all shoveled before school, because my father's admonition was always, that sidewalk needs to be clean before any of the kids start walking past the house on their way to school, because they'll trample it down, and it'll freeze and turn into ice. Uh, um, and to his credit, he had, he had polio in World War II, so he worked with a brace on his leg, but he was out there with us as well, so... We couldn't stay in bed, and we always hated it because we, we, we could tell if it was going to be a snow-shoveling day by there was a brick street. Going, we lived on a corner, one paved street, one brick street, and the brick street was called Washington Street. And if you couldn't hear the cars going <laughs> down the brick, you knew there was snow. It's like, dang, we got to get up and shovel snow. So yeah. that, I, that's too much. I would not want to go back to that. Yeah. The problem with Tennessee winters is that it just gets cold. Yes. And doesn't do anything. And it's worse because it's icy. Yeah. It's, right? You, you, you're always at that middle point between snow at least if and you get, no snow. At least if you get snow, you can enjoy it yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I the mean, ice I don't like. It's icy and cold, and it's miserable. Yeah, it was Wet. like that for the time. Yeah, I lived in North Texas for a bit, and it's it's like I, I lived there. can't remember what year it was. 2014 or 15 was the year the Super Bowl was at the, the new Cowboy Stadium. And the whole Metroplex got iced over, and it was iced for a week. And, you know, Dallas has overpass on top of overpass. Right. You could not go in For a week, you were in lockdown. Stuck. Not legally, because you, you <laughs> Actually, literally, could, yeah. Yeah. literally could not go anywhere. Wow. So, anyway. Well, let's go, uh, let's go from weather to guns. Okay. Uh, I know we've talked about, uh, like a couple episodes ago, we talked about gun control. But um, so much has happened in the last... Well, actually today, as of this recording, and then um, whatever you want to talk about, Gary, I don't know when that happened, but uh, we can start with that if you want to. Start with a House bill that you want to reference to talk yeah, about? <clears throat> federal. Correct, federal. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been hearing about this, uh, you know, it's being touted as the red flag law coming out of Congress right now, and of course, this is in the wake of the Uvalde 
school shooting, and this is HR twenty three seventy seven. It's it's actually titled the Federal Extreme Risk Protection Order Act. No. Twenty twenty two. Before you go on, for those who may not know, what is the definition of a red flag bill? Well, essentially, it's using a determination of mental illness to take guns. So okay. So somehow, in in, in some way, shape, or form, someone is deeming that you are incompetent, or dangerous, uh, or have uh, some sort of mental. You are illness. Es- you are essentially throwing up red flags. That's <laughs> mental red flags. Mental yes. red flags. Okay. Yes, and and so therefore we are going to take your. You no longer have a right to bear arms. Okay. Because we've deemed you, yeah, mentally incompetent. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but this is called the Federal Extreme Risk Protection Order, and essentially the nuts and bolts of this are, is that. Someone, a, a household member, a member of your family, a close friend, someone you live with, uh, a girlfriend, a boyfriend can go to a, a court or to law enforcement and uh, declare that they are at risk, um, that you may do harm to them or to someone else with a gun. And that court can then enter an ex parte uh, protection order and seize your guns. And so, essentially, after that complaint is made, uh, it's up to a, a court to determine whether or not they're going to issue an ex parte protection order. And the scary thing about this is, and I'll I'll, I'll read through a, a few things, and we can talk about it further. But the scary thing is that, and I, it's fifty pages long. I just started reading this before uh, I got here, so uh, forgive me. I'm not extremely well versed, but this is all happening through federal courts. Federal courts. And the U.S. Marshal's Office. Hmm. Okay, so this is like completely bypassing the TBI, state officials, local law enforcement, county chancery courts. This is going straight to the federal government and the U.S. Marshal's Office. And the problem is, here's what's going to get tricky. Obviously, the U.S. Marshal's Office does not have the resources and the manpower to execute on all of these orders across all of the states. So what the federal government is looking for, which this act starts to detail, is how state agencies are to now cooperate with the federal courts and the U.S. Marshal's Office to use state agencies to enforce these federal laws. And that now is where states have an opportunity to stand against the federal government. And so Texas has already hinted that we ain't doing nothing, sort of. So and, and by the way, aren't they aren't they using the typical means, which is they're holding out a carrot to the states, right? Saying there is funding for you from the federal government if you carry out this or if you execute these laws for us or on our behalf. So that's something I had seen on um News reports in the media. I haven't I haven't gotten to that piece in the bill yet. But yes, my understanding is they can't really make a federal mandate. Of course, what the federal government cannot do is commandeer a state agency. So they cannot put a duty and expend state funds per the federal government. So what they're doing essentially is, you know, should the states choose to cooperate? Well, yeah, there's X amount of funding, you know, to fund those certain programs that, you know, are going to happen here. So, but you know, the, the thing that every Tennessean should be concerned about right now um, is not only what's happening in the federal government per this red flag law, but whether or not the state of Tennessee is going to cooperate. 
and I'll just lay out my personal fear. When you think about anything being tied to federal dollars, our governor loves <laughs> loves his federal loves money, doesn't he? Yeah, federal money. Right. That was his impetus for everything for keeping everything closed down and and maintaining an executive Lock, order for down, twenty two months. Yeah, sure. It was all the COVID money, and so um, if he can improve what it, <laughs> improve, I, I have a hard time even saying that. Improve the state's bottom line. And I think the federal government knows that governors who are weak to accept that money, once you get them used to that, that's a whole new stream of revenue that they'll never let go. It's kind of like a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get them addicted. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a new drug, John. Right. Worth noting, too, that that this has H.R. 2377 has passed the House and uh, none of our Republican representatives voted yes they were all no's so the the two yeses from tennessee of course were cohen and cooper our two democrat representatives Mm -hmm. as you would expect no surprise now now so so bear with me a moment because this is what's interesting so let me let me just dive into this this definition of family or household member and and think about this this is just like um we actually have some some laws here in tennessee that i think should also be addressed in terms of domestic violence because that's that's part of the part of this law is being billed to address domestic violence right and so if um, if a spouse or or a live-in or whatever has somehow has a criminal history that's automatically like a red flag where those folks can have their their guns pulled essentially um, and then of course due process is supposed to take place afterwards but right now in Tennessee we sort of have a, a we believe all women law and I, I've 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 known this to happen, and I'm, I'm familiar with the context, is a, a woman in Tennessee can make an accusation, mm. go to a judge, go to law enforcement, hey, you know, I'm, I'm being abused. Carton of Tennessee law, that guy that's being accused, he gets picked up and held for 12 hours, no questions asked. That's, that's the way it works. So that law, of course, the intention is, is to help protect women from domestic violence. That, that's the intention. But what it really does is, based on nothing more than an accusation, removes all rights of a man. Yep. For, for 12 hours, you are going in jail and until a judge has been able to discern that there's no immediate danger and they're willing to let you out. And that damage is irreparable because the reputation, the look, right, all of that, it doesn't matter if if the judge decides, oh, there were no grounds for holding this man over, the accusations were all false, the damage has already been done. Yeah. So it's not just, oh, you've set aside your rights for 12 hours. Your reputation in some circles is going to be permanently damaged. So according to this new red flag law, which would which technically is called a federal extreme risk protection order, it's an ex parte order, uh, just like in, a, in an abuse case in family court. So here's what happens. A family or household member can make an, an accusation. Now, here's the definition of a family or household member. A parent, spouse, sibling, child related, related by blood, marriage, or adoption, a dating partner, an individual who has a child in common, whether or not they're married. And in the, here's the, here's, so here's the tricky ones. An individual who resides or has resided with the respondent during the past year, a domestic partner, an individual who has a legal parent-child relationship, 
listen to this, an individual who is acting or has acted as the legal guardian of a respondent. So let me let me play devil's advocate mm-hmm. here for a minute. Now this that's may, a pretty that's a pretty broad net. Yes, uh, that's like everybody. Yes. So let me this this may sound to some outlandish, but let me give you an example. You have a right, an indefeasible God given right, to bear arms to protect your life, liberty, and property. Mm-hmm. Now let's say someone has a, a a plan on you, an aim, and eyes on you to do you some harm. Mm-hmm. They can coordinate with someone who you've were a roommate with at any point within the last year. No longer live with them, could have been someone you hardly knew, Mm -hmm. but they shared an address with you at some point within the past year. Or an individual who was a a legal guardian at any point in your entire life. I mean, literally, this person could have been a legal guardian, and that relationship could have been severed for 10 years. But according to this bill— Okay, those people would have a right to go to a federal judge. That judge can issue an ex parte order, and immediately you must surrender all of your arms to a U.S. marshal until a judge has had a uh, the ability to determine your case. And think about this: from anyone can disarm you. Think about it from not just the disarming context, but what else is happening here? We are once again driving to the core issue, which is destroy and dissolve the family, right? Break apart the family relationship, break apart the home relationship. You're immediately going to pit one person who is in a home against another person, whether it was family relationship or close to family relationship. So don't think that that isn't also part and parcel of the aim here. Continue destruction of the family. Also, uh, Kevin, you know a little bit about this. Uh, you know, you've got your, uh, gosh, can't like your levels of evidence. You know, uh, preponderance of evidence, clear and convincing evidence, and then uh, beyond a reasonable yep. doubt. Is that right? Yep, sounds right. That takes me back <laughs> yeah. to law school. Remember, I'm not a criminal lawyer. So, so uh, entertainment uh, law, yeah, not, not crimes. So, a although pro- a lot of entertainers get in trouble. Uh huh. So having so that so now again, this is important. You come before the judge, and they they determine the nature of uh, you know the accusation, and whether or not this protection order should be extended, and you should lose your right to bear arms. According to this bill, it only requires the middle ground of of evidence. So a preponderance of evidence is is just you know it's a it's, lower bar. It's a lower bar. It's most likely the truth, uh, or 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 it's. Probably more the likely. Truth. It's more likely than not. It's, That's it's really over on a preponderance, right? You're weighing. Think of it as a scale. Yeah, and and it's simply a. It's more likely than not to be yeah. true. Yeah. What? So, which means legally, it only has to be more than a fifty percent chance right. that it's true. As my one of my torts professor in law school used to say, fifty percent plus an iota. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so that's what that's what this bill no, says. No, no, no. So that's preponderance. Oh, oh, okay. That's the that's right. the then, evidentiary standard. Then you have well, then this. So then you have clear and convincing evidence, which is what this requires. Clear and convincing evidence is the next level. So you maybe you it maybe it's eighty percent. It's not just that it's more likely that it's the truth. It's that it's most likely that it's the truth. So but according it, to whom? Exactly. Who who decides and that the, question? And that that's only looked at after. 
Right. All of your guns have been taken. <laughs> We've taken from your you. rights away. Yeah, now is, we're going to. Decide. This is while your guns are sitting at the U.S. Marshal's office. After your right to due process has been completely stripped. That's right. But they say that this is your right to due process. And then there's beyond a shadow of a doubt, like 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 whatever. Um, and that's but but what we have here is clear and convincing evidence, which is a lower bar than you know absolute certainty. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, here's here's the real problem. Oh no, one more thing. So when the U.S. Marshal shows up, not only can the, can they take the weapons that you surrender because it's it's incumbent upon the accused to surrender their weapons. But when the U.S. Marshal shows up, this says they take the weapons surrendered and they can take possession of anything in plain sight and anything discovered pursuant to a lawful search. So, so they you, can do a whole raid on your house. And take everything. And take everything and anything. That's right. All ammo, uh, uh, all anything guns. Anything considered a weapon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And here's the, here's the last thing. That didn't say weapon, though. Did you did you paraphrase that what you read didn't say anything that's, about that's weapons? That's why I asked. It didn't say weapons. So, no, take possession of all firearms and ammunition. Oh, okay. Yeah, that are surrendered in plain sight are discovered pursuant to gotcha. a lawful search. Okay. All right, and then um, lastly, so here here's here's the scary part. Here's where the states gets involved. The director shall, which is the, the of the marshal, I believe, the U.S. Marshals, shall draft a model policy to maximize the accessibility of federal extreme rest protection orders, ensure that state, tribal, and local law enforcement officers and members of the public without legal training are able to easily file petitions for the federal extreme risk protection orders. So the court now is responsible to prescribe out, outreach efforts by employees of the district courts of the United States to familiarize relevant law enforcement officers and the public with the procedures for filing petitions. <clears throat> Sounds to me like community organizing and activism yes, there. Yes, so the federal district courts of the three grand divisions of Middle Tennessee will now utilize the court employees, and it's incumbent upon them to go out to local law enforcement mm. and educate them mm-hmm. on encourage how to them. carry out these federal policies. Yeah, education means encouragement, uh, enticing them. Hmm. So this, see, this is where the state legislature can step in and say a big hell no. Mm-hmm. You're not stepping foot into our state law enforcement agencies. You stay in your federal building and stick it. And if you want to go take guns, you're going to have to use the, you're going to have to up your resources. You're going to have to use the U.S. Marshal Service to go do it because the TBI, the state troopers, the sheriff's department, and, you know, Nashville Police Department ain't doing it. But, That's what's going to have to happen. But they're not going to do that. Well, I mean, is there anyone we have to. who's a strong Second Amendment supporter advocate in the legislature? And if so, is that person or those persons saying anything at this point, or are they all silent? There's not a lot that I'm hearing right now, unfortunately. Why so we'll do you see. think that is? I don't know. Does it make you curious? It hasn't passed yet. It's, it's passed, but it looks like it's going to pass the Senate. It looks like it has the McConnell's got it all lined up. Yeah, it, it was my understanding that there's been deals made. There have been deals made, and they've got the ten necessary to get to six. I, I think I heard it was going to be fourteen. That there were so mm-hmm. far, they've determined there were fourteen Republicans willing to vote yes on this in the Senate. Mm. Oh, by the way, let's not forget this. This is important context. If I can put my spectacles on here, all of this, of course is based on something that's not even true, right? 
Remember the Evalde shooting. Uh, some of you guys probably saw this this week. You know, this school district police chief has been right. in a lot of trouble, but very suspicious activity. He was just placed on leave, wasn't he? And he, well, wasn't he city council? Didn't didn't he leave because he was elected to the city council? And that I think I, don't know. I think it was this sequence. You can correct me if I'm wrong. The election for city council happened. Then this event happened, and then he took his. But then he took his oath to be on the city council. I think that's what it is. Oh. But the school district police chief Aaron, Aaron Dondo, who lied about trying to open the classroom door, remember that issue, mm-hmm. and told heavily armed officers to stand down while the shooter was in the classroom with kids for over an hour, previously made a political donation to? Uh, what I heard was Biden and... Beto uh, O'Rourke. Yes. Yeah. Beto, of course, <laughs> running around Texas calling for guns to be seized. So, oh rather gosh. convenient, right? And if that if that turns out to be true, the outrage... To everyone, but especially if you are a parent of someone who lost a life there, to think that for political reasons, I mean, we know this happens, but it is becoming so blatant that someone would leave the door open, allow the shooting to go on, not go in, don't go in and protect these people because they believe the bigger goal is, well, we're going to take guns, confiscate guns from everyone. So a few deaths don't matter to them, right? And it never has to Marxists. Did you also hear that they are going to demolish the school? Are you kidding me? Fact. They are going and, to demolish quickly, the building. right? No, cover up all evidence. Yeah. And that decision was just made or that yes. was planned? No, well, I don't know if it was planned, but it was just, it was just released. They're going to demolish the school. Mm. <clears throat> yep, get rid of all evidence. Pretty crazy. There was also, uh, I think this story was on the might Daily Wire. I don't remember where exactly I read it. There was an officer. You know, you've seen the the photos that came out from the actual cameras inside mm-hmm. the cl- the school of the officers that they told us weren't there with the guns that they said they didn't have. But right. now we see the pictures. One of those officers' daughter was in the classroom. She was killed. It's just so stunning. how like how far if there's. If there's money being mm-hmm. handed down or whatever, stopping these people from actually helping children, how far down does it go? Like, yeah. why is this guy who's got a gun? He's a police officer and he has a daughter in the school just standing there. Yeah, I, I would have obeyed. I would have disobeyed every order I was given, and I would have charged. Yeah. Well, it's, it's which it, gets it, to means justify <laughs> ends justify the means, right? If if their ends are total control, which starts at confiscation of your ability to protect yourself against the government then all means between now and that end to them become acceptable. So a life is a worthy sacrifice. Someone else's life, I mean, right? They're not willing to make their own right. lives. Yeah. Someone else's life is a worthy sacrifice to these knuckleheads, these wicked, evil people who would even put their own children in danger's way. Um, it's, it's, it's outrageous. Hmm. I heard this detail released yesterday on uh, Matt Walsh's show. Uh, one of the officers on site, his wife was a teacher. She called him. She was in one of the classrooms yes. bleeding out. He was going in. They. I don't. Was he an officer though? I don't know if he, he was. I thought he was, he was an officer. I thought he was a off-duty security guard. Or, but go on. Sorry. They they stopped him. Yeah, they detained disarmed him. Disarmed him and detained him. Yeah, he's the one that later died of a heart attack. Right. I did not know that detail. 
well, maybe maybe I, we should figure that out. But yeah. Yeah, yes, I, I know that story. But, but the details coming out <clears throat> about this, this particular one, yeah, of of bad. of literally keeping people out of the school while this guy is in there. I guess what for seventy seven minutes mm-hmm. mowing down people in the yeah. school. Yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. All right, so we got this this red flag law. I mean, look, the right now here's the deal. It's passed the House. It's likely to pass the Senate. Listen, Tennesseans. We're going to need to put a great deal of pressure on this legislature to pass legislation immediately that will keep our law enforcement agents all across the state from cooperating with this nonsense. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know that there's anything that can be done state statewide to keep the U.S. Marshal's Office from enacting whatever federal law is passed, except that I would imagine the only firewall we have at that point is our county sheriffs Mm -hmm. and we're going to have not only are we going to have law enforcement that's going to have to stand their ground but we're going also we're going to also need constitutional sheriffs in every county to stand up for their citizens and it it may require and I, i hope we have some counties that will do this the sheriff's office can keep the federal officers at bay you know, from from taking any action within their county. Yeah, and that they are the last line of defense. Unfortunately, many of them don't even realize that they have that authority, and they're they're definitely reluctant to exercise it. Too many sheriffs in too many counties across the nation. It's kind of a figurehead position, and they they tend to fall in line as if they are a separate division of the state government, right? A lot of times when you approach a sheriff and try to educate the sheriff, say, no, you are our last line of defense constitutionally, they're like, well, you know, we've been coordinating with the local police and we do what they want us to do and we do what the state police want. It's like, no, 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 no. that's not your role. You're actually supposed to be in opposition to that, um, protecting us. So that's, Gary, what you say is true in reality, um, but in experience, we're a far way, a long way from that. Has anyone said anything about this? Like, has... DeSantis come out and said anything? Has any has any red governor come out and made a statement? No, the only thing I've said so far, and again, I, I haven't been able to do as much research as I wanted to before getting here, but I did see an article where, I don't know if it was the governor or who it was in Texas. Texas apparently has been fairly public and firm that the state would not be coordinating with any of these efforts. Mm. And so to my knowledge, Texas has been the most vocal about this. Good. Well, at least somebody is. Mm-hmm. All right. So on the topic of guns, do we want to move to Supreme Court since yeah. that's today? Yeah. Uh, pull up our stories. Supreme- the Supreme Court has decided that normal, everyday people yeah. can protect themselves. <laughs> Without a- having to explain themselves <laughs> to a particular authority, right? Officially, in a 6-3 to three majority opinion, the court ruled in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc. versus Bruin that New York put an unconstitutional burden on citizens applying for concealed carry permits by requiring that they demonstrate a, quote, special need for protection. <laughs> so they struck that down today as of this recording. And that's very good news. But isn't it amazing that they were actually trying to make you demonstrate a special need for self-protection. And it, it goes on to say, distinguishable from that of the general community. How offensive. The only people then who would be allowed to carry... Distinguishable from that? Of, like, so all of your, all of yeah, your legislators, 
all of your officials, your government government officials, they can protect themselves. Oh, but you and I know we're not we're not, not do that kind enough. of protection. Yeah. Praise, well, praise God and thanks thanks to Clarence Thomas and actually a supermajority, six to three. Yeah. Um, upheld that, which is only going to make the left rattle the sabers even more for court packing um, in anticipation of what we know is coming next, likely, right, either tomorrow or early next week, the abortion ruling. That, that'll be the very last is that coming? One. Is that coming next week? It's, it could come as early as tomorrow. <clears throat> It'll be the very last one they <clears throat> release. Yeah. It always is. Obamacare was the last Friday of June 2020. 10, 11, whichever year that was. Whichever one is the most controversial, yep. they'll just release it and be like, see ya, we're yep. out. <clears throat> so what, What like, what are their, did they give examples of what a special need is? I don't think so. Oh, okay. And I, but I guess I, that just constitutes. I think it's clearly implied. That that seems to me that w- that was drafted, in my view, that was drafted particularly to allow federal officials, state officials, county officials to maintain their own protection, but you and I as citizens couldn't. But isn't it isn't it still almost virtually impossible to, to own a gun in New York? Well, it's going to be better now. Well, after that. slightly, but it's still yeah. like I mean, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to own a gun. Well, in and every local jurisdiction has its own yeah. subcategory of exceptions and restrictions. Every city, every county, every establishment. Mm-hmm. But no, I think you'll find the hope is that you would find more people. Uh, opening up, as it were, in New York. Not notwithstanding that, yes, New York is going to try very hard to to craft different legislation that complies with this law, but still restricts in other ways. Yeah, right? find their ways around. They're it. not. Yeah, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep at it. Yeah, the left never rests. Yeah, I'm just seeing on Facebook they had a uh, they had a campaign event last night for Jack Johnson at the governor's mansion. Mm. Of course they did. 20 people show up? What I want to know is, did the Secretary of State show up, and was he still hungover from Bonnaroo? Yeah. That was fantastic. We could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that isn't that fair fair to talk about public drunkenness by a... Yeah. In a, in a state vehicle, yeah. by the way. I didn't realize he was in a state vehicle. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I want to know is, can I stop paying my, um, my right to do my... What, are the, what do we call it? Professional the, uh, privilege professional tax. Professional privilege tax. My $300 a year for every business I own. Yours is only $300? I, I pay $400 for my legal Well, you're, you're a lawyer, so you, obviously. <laughs> Not anymore, though. You just got a $100 oh, yeah. tax I'm cut. I'm going to get a tax yeah. cut next yeah. year by $100. you are going to save 100 bucks. <laughs> so can I stop paying that now that our Secretary of State has been charged with a DUI? Interesting. Yeah. Bonnaroo. Yeah. Let's talk about that first. Driving, goes, a, driving a state vehicle? Yeah, he goes to party at Bonnaroo. <laughs> What in the world is our Secretary of State? This is the man, mind you, who is the kind of the last guard for election integrity in the state, right? The Secretary of State, remember back in 2020 in Florida, what was her name, Harris? Catherine Catherine Harris, you know, Bush v. Gore. It's the Secretary of State that holds the alt, all the cards, right? Makes the final decision with regard to electoral issues. So it's it's not a small or job of insignificance or importance who in the world as a secretary of state would even even if you didn't drink to go to bonnaroo right what kind of look is that what what are you thinking i don't know i don't know that i have a problem with them going to bonnaroo but when you are the 
a very high official what in the about, state. What about going to Bonnaroo and getting hammered? Well, that's a totally different story. <laughs> if you just want to go enjoy some music. Your, oh, I, okay, um, let's put it in context. He is not, remember, he is one of these special classes of people that if he, he were in New York, he would be allowed to keep his and bear arms because he's a special class. True. The ordinary people can go to Bonnaroo because the ordinary people don't have a responsibility to protect and secure the liberties of the citizens. So, yeah, he has, just like a head of a household, a pastor in a church, the boss of a company, they all have a a higher standard to keep. It doesn't mean they can't go to do these events, but I, I just think it's bad judgment that he went. And, of course— that bad judgment was confirmed because he went and he got hammered. As well, he obviously said. has bad judgment just to begin with. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily have any problem with him being at Bonnaroo. But obviously, the the drinking and driving thing is an issue. And the state has officially determined that uh, apparently this was no big deal, and they're not going to pursue anything uh, in terms of his role mm. as Secretary of State. So, so, do you think if it's all good, you or I, Gary or John, had a DUI? or an ordinary citizen coming out of Bonnaroo that they would, you know, maybe it risks your job. We, we're we self-employed, so it wouldn't really affect our jobs, but if you worked for someone... But do you think the, the news and the, the state muckety-mucks would make issue of the fact that the executive director of Tennessee Stands oh, got arrested yeah. with, on a DUI coming oh, out of Bonnaroo? Yeah. Of course they would. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. It would become campaign material. I, I There's no question about it. It's a double standard... And especially, remember, this is the guy who refuses to lift a finger to do anything to improve election integrity in Tennessee. He could, Mm. but he has turned away. We know there's a a lot of people who have gone before him and gone before the director of elections, what's his name, Mark Goins, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And they have spurned and turned away efforts for real reform justifying, excusing the reasons why they won't do it. Um, so it's it's particularly disturbing when a person is so stubborn on those issues and then you find him. It just, it, it, to me, the the exposure, the contradiction uh, is pretty, pretty poignant that that individual would be the one who would go to Bonnaroo. Oh, by the way, the other reason I think Bonnaroo is a particular bad look is because almost every Bonnaroo, it seems, someone dies overdose, you know, gets drunk and walks out in front of a bus. Remember that happened one year, Ricky Skaggs bus, I think, mm-hmm. ran over somebody. So it's not it's not even just like going to a show. It, you're going to a place that is a known drug-abusing place, alcohol-abusing place, and every year it seems one or two people die at Bonnaroo. And there's always a naked guy. Do oh, there, there, there's, there's more than one. Yeah, when I, when I represented, <laughs> when I represented an artist that performed at Bonnaroo one year, the naked, the naked guy actually came out on the stage that my client was performing on, and I didn't know anything about this that this was a tradition, and it was extremely embarrassing and and surprising and shocking, and the band didn't know what to do, and they're like trying to push the guy off the stage. Guy comes off the stage. And the wives of the band are off the stage and they're like, ew, gross. And he's like, it's, that's the atmosphere of Bonnaroo. This is where your secretary of state went to spend some, t- spend some time and to do a little too much drinking. Mm. I do have problems with that as a citizen. Good times. All right. Well, my invite to Joe Rogan's always there. 
Yeah, wonder what he would think about that. Gary, Gary's always got an invite now I, I kinda, for Matt. I, I would picture Joe Rogan going and hanging out at Bonnaroo. Oh, oh of course he would. Oh, yeah. he absolutely, absolutely would. Absolutely. Yeah. Might even be the naked guy. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's possible. <laughs> I don't Please know. No. Uh, Joe will never come on this show now. <laughs> I just, I just I did it. Uh, but Matt Walsh is always invited Invited now, yep. right? Definitely. Fully so, clothed, please. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. I All don't right. think Matt will have any problem with that. <laughs> Till next week. All right. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. <laughs>